Welcome to Up an Octave, a podcast by Sonivia. I'm your host, Ruth Spence, founder of Sonivia, the podcast management agency that helps women and non-binary people take up space in podcasting. Up an Octave is here to support you in your podcasting journey, from how to market yourself, how to sound great, how to edit for your specific voice, and how to make your podcast feel like magic. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get into it. Welcome back to Up an Octave. Today, we are talking about the three P's of podcasting and how they are the key to having a successful show. Too often, I see podcasters not nailing this three-part plan and wondering why their show isn't getting downloads. The truth is that when any one part of this recipe breaks down, you start to see things kind of fall apart. What are the three P's? They are plan, produce, and promote. And this is going to be a very plosive heavy episode, so let's hope that that windscreen and pop filter are working for me. Now let's dive into each step. So let's start with planning. Preparing for your episodes starts with the very conception of your show. If you haven't launched your show yet, consider exactly what you're covering and exactly who you're speaking to. In my episode about fandom podcasts, I talked about the idea of tunneling in, And this is my answer to the concept of niching down to be successful. As you're conceptualizing your podcast before you've even hit record, generate as many ideas in that space that you can, and then craft them into your season structure or your episode flow, depending on how you're structuring your releases. Once you have that calendar built out, planning looks like getting ready for each episode. This comes in many shapes and sizes. You may need to do research for an episode, write a script, source a guest, see a particular movie, tour a haunted prison, try out a new shampoo, you name it. But you have to be prepared to talk about what you're covering in your episode in a way that's going to capture the hearts and minds of your audience. Preparing also happens when you sit down to record. Do you have your drink at the ready? Did you make sure that your microphone is selected as the recording device? Did you put your phone on do not disturb? Do you feel good? I will forever remember during my first podcast, my co-host and I had a seven hour time difference. And I remember recording this one episode and it was just one of those nights when things were not working. I could not get dinner to finish cooking in the time crunch that I had. So I sat down to record and I was starving. My hands felt all jittery. And I was like not able to focus because I was just like, I'm so hungry. And I know that by now my chicken is ready and I just want to go eat it. But that was literally the only time that with that time difference, we were able to sit down and record. And so I made it through the recording just fine. I went to edit later and I could hear my stomach grumbling in the episode, like constantly. It was just like this And this is, again, where having a microphone, you're going to pick up things that you can't even necessarily hear with your own ears. So part of being prepared and part of planning means not being hungry, being hydrated, not having to record first thing in the morning when your voice is still waking up or at the very end of the day when it feels strained. You want to be able to plan to record when you're at your best. Taking all of these steps helps you record with confidence. And this is especially a key thing if you're still kind of getting pod fright, it's not really stage fright, when you sit down to record. 
if the very concept of recording makes all of the thoughts leave your mind, being hungry on top of that, you are not doing yourself any favors. And in general, even if it's not hunger, you want to record when you're feeling good. Maybe you're starting your period and you're crampy. Maybe you have some kind of 24-hour bug. You don't want to be confined to have to record when you're feeling like crap. So plan ahead. Know that you have some wiggle room if maybe today's just not going to work after all. Like I've talked about, I have a one-year-old. And so there are times where she is just not in the mood to hang out with her dad downstairs. And recording just doesn't happen for me. She's teething right now. So there is a lot of crying happening in my house. Not all of it is from the baby. And so I just have to know that some days recording is not going to work out. So by planning far enough ahead, I build in some wiggle room that if she's just going through it, I don't have to record today. Now, between episodes, planning can look like synthesizing your audience feedback and making changes accordingly. Some feedback can come from reviews, comments, emails, the things that we think of as being feedback directly. But don't forget that they also come from your analytics. The feedback that you get from your analytics is there to help you define your audience and refine your message. So when you see that episodes with guests, a particular type of guest, are really working well, that's telling you that the people who are interested in your show really like hearing from these particular experts or community members, whomever it is that you're talking to. If you see, oh my God, I get 30% more listens on episodes with these guests, then that is something that you need to consider when you're planning how to move forward with your show, especially if other types of episodes take a lot of energy for you to create. So if you're like, oh my God, when I have this guest on, we kind of just chat and I prepare for the interview, but I don't have to do a lot of legwork. And those are the ones that are taking off. But solo episodes mean that you have to spend hours researching, watching documentaries, reading books, and then you don't get half of their response. Like that tells you where you should be putting your energy and where you should be putting your efforts. Now that you've gone through your planning, it's time to move into the production phase. This is both the actual recording and post-production. So during this phase, you're going to ensure that you're using best practices for recording and then edit according to your systems or send the episode out to your editor if that's something that you've outsourced. Production is honestly the most laborious part of the three Ps because it asks you to A, be super present and to be working within your tech. You have to sit under your headphones while you're editing. That can be your sole focus while you're in it. And then you're also creating your social media assets. Whereas when you're planning, you know, you can kind of do that in bed, right? You're like on your phone, taking some notes, thinking things through. When it comes time to edit though, you have to be 100% on your A game. That's why this phase is also the hardest to fake. You may be super good with improv or have a show that doesn't require a lot of research and you can shorten that planning phase. You can have promotion that can be done on the fly when need be, but editing and actually sitting down to record, that is where cutting corners is noticeable. So for me again, I have my baby. If I had to record on the fly, say it was a night when my husband had to be working overnight and I pushed my recording to the last minute and oops, didn't realize he's not available to hang out with her. That means that I'm going to have a baby bouncing around at my feet. You're going to hear that on the recording. Is that the end of the world? No, not at all. But it isn't my preferred method of recording. So if I fall short on the production phase and haven't planned 
before my production phase, that's going to be where it's noticeable. Or say, you know, my husband's like, I have a 30 minute window before I have to meet another obligation. That leaves me feeling like, oh my gosh, I have to keep an eye on the clock while I'm recording. So I might shorten down some of my information to try and meet that window, which does a disservice to the people who want to listen and want to get as much information out of me as they can. So if I am planning for my production phase and saying, hey, I know I'm going to need X amount of time to record, I've planned ahead to really make sure I don't have to cut those corners when it comes time to produce the content. Part of giving yourself enough time in production also means giving yourself enough time to edit. This is especially crucial if you're not yet fully confident in your editing workflow. If you're still new to using Audacity or your DAW of choice, you're going to really want to make sure you give yourself enough time so that you're not freaking out and crying under your headphones. I've been there and it's an awful feeling. So give yourself the time to feel totally cool and composed and not under pressure while you're in post-production. That also leads to making more mistakes. If you're like, oh my God, I have to just fly through this. Chances are you're going to overlook something or you're going to hit the wrong button because you're feeling so frazzled and whoops, you've just made editing take three times longer than it needed to because of how stressed out you are. When you make these mistakes, you are potentially putting out a product that's not ideal or worse yet, you may even be delaying your episodes, which leads to a breakdown in consistency, which is kind of a snowball effect to some other not great outcomes that could happen with your show. If this is you and you're still kind of struggling with your editing workflow, check out episode four of this show, which is called How Much Should You Edit Your Podcast to kind of hone in on your process. I talk a lot about workflow in that one and kind of refining what feels authentic for your show. Once you have a system in place, you can start to anticipate how much time you're going to need to edit your episode, write your show notes, create your social media assets. But in the beginning, I say give yourself at least a four to one ratio between time spent editing and the length of a raw recording. So if you have a one hour long raw recording, give yourself four hours to edit. If you have a 15 minute long recording, give yourself an hour to edit. It hopefully won't take you this long, even when you're brand new, even when you're still fiddling around with your settings and figuring out how things work, but that gives you enough time to not feel stressed out. Now, This could be done all in one day if you have four hours to set aside, or it can be done over the course of a week or a couple weeks, depending on how you've built out your calendar. The bottom line is that it should never feel like you're working up to a deadline. That said, I think show notes and social media assets can be taken care of in about an hour. And here's what that process looks like for me. While I'm editing, I make notes of what I want to pick out for social media. You can do this by keeping post-it notes or a pad right next to you while you're editing. But for me, it's easier to just in Audacity while I'm editing, hit control or command and B as in bestie and create a flag. Or I think that they call it a label. I call it a flag, whatever. But this is a little marker that directs to that spot of your project. And you can type into it and make a note. This is where I'll write what social media asset I want to repurpose that content into. That helps to cut down on searching back through the episode for those golden nuggets later. If you can start kind of dog-earing those assets while you're editing, you're going to save yourself the time of listening through again as a consumer to try and hear what you want to highlight. 
This is also a great time to make note of timestamps that you want to include in your show notes. If that's something that's important to you that you want to be able to say, at 23 minutes and 17 seconds, we cover this. Start making a note of it while you are processing your audio. And then while you're exporting your audio files, you can get to work on your social media posts. I am a Canva girly like I know so many of us are. And having your branding kit on Canva with your brand colors and your fonts helps to make that process go by so much more quickly. If you can just grab your color, set it in, know what your font is, type out whatever you have labeled or flagged while you were editing, boom, you've got it going on. For sound bites or audiograms, I really like Headliner, but there are a ton of options out there for you to figure out what works best for you, for your show, and for your audience. So finally, we've been talking about social media a little bit. We have come to the final P, which is to promote. All too often, I see shows that are nailing the first two Ps and then totally dropping the ball when it comes time to actually make sure people listen and people find your show. To me, this is a total waste of your time and effort. You have worked so long and so hard to make this thing to just let it sit there and collect dust. There are a ton of strategies for you to promote your show, and you'll find the ones that work best for your show and what feels good for you. I think so often why I see people not promoting their show is because it can be uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable for me sometimes. It is definitely a muscle that you have to get confident stepping into your power and saying, hey, I made this thing and this is why you should listen to it. The first step and easiest step that doesn't feel like pushing is just making sure that your show is available on all of the major podcatchers. Buzzsprout makes this super easy to see at a glance, but that is something that you should not overlook. Make sure that you are findable. This is also where I'm going to recommend having your show embedded on your website. This is where I direct all of my new listeners because it's available to everyone. And from that landing pad, they can go and find the show on their favorite platforms. Sometimes I see people dropping links to Apple Podcasts or Spotify. But here's the thing. On this podcast that you're listening to right now, only 18% of my listeners are coming from Apple. So if I'm only pushing out Apple Podcast links, I'm going to miss out on 82% of my audience. There are people who don't have Spotify downloaded. There are people who have Android phones and are not even able to access Apple Podcasts from their phones. So when you are so specific on which podcatcher you're promoting, you are denying people who don't have access to those platforms. So A, you're selling yourself short by not making yourself more widely available, and B, you're being less accessible. To me, access is the first step to equity. So getting your show more accessible, more available to people is going to help you get noticed. The other benefit to dropping the link to your site instead of to a different podcatcher is that it gets people to start poking around on your site, which helps to build your connection and your authenticity up. It allows people to see your face, connect with you even more, and it helps to build trust because it gives you more validity. Anybody can be anything on Spotify and Apple. Anyone can call themselves an expert in this or a doctor of that. I think that is still illegal, though. I'm not sure. Don't quote me on that. But you can kind of fudge your background if you're just some rando on Spotify. But I think when you have a site, it helps to build your legitimacy a little bit more and just gives you a little bit more of that credibility. 
This is especially important if your show is a funnel model or even a fandom model to some extent. If you're going to be proselytizing, this is who I am, this is what I'm doing, having a site kind of makes you feel more legit. When you're using social media to promote, use it to your advantage. Figure out what works best for you. For some people, audiograms work really well. For others, conversation starters from episodes for listeners to engage is a really great method. What almost never works is just screaming new episode into the void. I've done that myself and I was not impressed with the results. This was a technique that I tried when I had my first show. I wasn't sure how to promote, but I knew that I had to tell people, hey, I've got new content out. And so I would just, hey, it's Tuesday. So here's your new episode. Nobody cared. And it's been years since I had my first show and since I was trying that method. And social media has continued to evolve and change. So now if you're trying to stop the scroll, just showing me, hey, you have a new episode when I'm not even familiar with your show, I've never heard your name, that's going to do nothing for me. But if you can capture me by teasing out what your show is about, I'm hooked. If you can tell me that I've never heard the true crime case that you cover, I'm going to get curious. The FOMO is going to start to activate. If I'm a realtor and you tell me that this one free tip that you give away on this latest episode is going to double the amount of people who show up to my open house, I'm going to be way more likely to invest the 30 minutes of my time to click on your show than if you just say, hey, realtors, here's a new episode because it's Thursday. The other tip that I'll give is that short form content is really winning right now, especially with finding new people. So that's going to be your Instagram reels, your YouTube shorts. These are really being pushed out to people who have never seen your content before. And that is a great way for people to get ears on you. Stay engaged with your episodes and remember that they are evergreen content. There is always going to be a season where people are going to be looking for what you're offering. So for example, right now it's October. This is paranormal and true crime season, baby. If that is your type of show, then you're going to want to hear when people are talking about, oh man, I love werewolves. Cool. So that's when you say, oh wow, I did an episode on werewolf lore from around the world. I'd love to share it with you. Or if you hear someone saying, ah, I really want to find a haunted tour to do with my girlfriends in my area. That's when you say, great, I actually covered this old hospital on this episode and I learned some pretty wild stuff. Even if you're not in the paranormal or true crime space, there's still going to be times when you notice people are talking about what you are talking about. So if you have a show and you hear someone saying, yeah, I'm trying to learn more about this. Wow, I covered that specifically here. I'd love to share that with you. I've talked about it before, but promotion should always feel like a gift to the person you're promoting to instead of a push from you. No unsolicited podcast dick pics. I've said it once. I've said it a thousand times. No unsolicited podcast dick pics. Find ways that your show can give value to the people you're sharing it with. Facebook communities are still an awesome resource for me. And even the ones that have a no promotion rule often have a day for promotion. The last tip on promoting is to remember not to leave your call to action space empty. Ask for engagement. Ask for people to share your show with someone who would be interested. Let the community that you're building help you. It is a free way for them to support you. And I do believe that there is some transactional imperative with podcasting. Even though what you're offering is free, let people pay you in effort. Hey, don't mind if I do. I'm just cutting in for a minute to share something exciting. 
Ever thought about making a podcast that doesn't feel overwhelming? If you're listening to the show, then I know you're curious about making the best podcast you can. And that's where Sonivia comes in. I'm your podcast launch specialist, and I'm here to take your show from concept to content. I've immersed myself in the world of podcasting for years, and I have got the knowledge and industry secrets to help make your show the success that we both know it can be. If you're ready to take the leap and start sharing your voice with the world, head on over to sonivia.com and snag your free call. Let's chat. Oh, and by the way, the party's still on. I decided to keep celebrating until Halloween. So mention Up an Octave when booking your call before October 31st for a cool $50 off of your launch. Let's make some podcasting magic together. Your dream show awaits! Anyway, now back to the good stuff. All right, so today's question comes from Terry. She is behind the Profit Able podcast. That's like profitable, but two words, Profit Able. And Terry asks, Hi, Rue. Early in the podcast's life, where did you find guests? Or did you only do solo episodes? I'm on episode six, and I would like to plan a few interviews. All right, so first off, there's no right or wrong answer here. There are some shows that are only solo forever. There are some shows that are only guests forever. There are some shows like mine that are a mix. So figure out what feels good to you and what your audience is asking for. If you do decide that you want to do interviews, that's awesome. So some ideas that are really helpful for me are building up your personal community. Let people network with you. If you are... So Terry is talking about business and lifestyle tips for coaches, course creators, or any human looking to live a more fulfilled life. So she says, in addition to business coaching, many episodes focus on health and wellness, mindset, relationships, etc. And she does have a clause here. Guest speakers from many different niches will share their expertise to give listeners insight into living and working at your highest level. I love this. So Terry has decided that guests are a definite part of her podcasting model. So Terry, as a coach yourself, you likely have a network of these people. You likely have other coaches in your network who have a slightly different focus than you do. These would be great people to collaborate with. So in general, for any show, not just Terry's show, look to the people that you're already in conversation and in community with. I don't believe in competition. I believe in collaboration. So even if there are people who are doing similar things, talk to them, invite them into your conversation. This highlights you, this highlights your ethos, and it also shows different perspectives. If you feel like there's no one in your day-to-day life that meets that qualification, start trying to find places to have those conversations. In addition, online communities are awesome. If you are in a mastermind, if you are in Facebook groups or Reddit or Discord communities where these conversations are taking place, get brave, reach out, say, hey, I'd love to bring you on the show. I really like that you're talking about XYZ, show why those people are providing value to you and the value that you could provide to them. In a pinch, I love the need a guest community on Facebook. That can be a great place to find people Just make sure that you're vetting people. Again, this is where I talked about like having a website kind of helps to build some authenticity and some legitimacy because in that community, I have noticed that there are a lot of experts who don't necessarily have verifiable credentials to back up the expert claim. So just make sure that you know who you're speaking to so you're not wasting your time or their time. 
If it's not a good fit, that's okay. So get good at saying, yeah, I love what you're doing, but at this time, you're not the right fit for my show. Um, Maybe we can connect next time or thank you for your interest, you know, whatever that kind of letdown looks like. So the need a guest community is great. Or, you know, asking your community if you are looking for a coach with a specific perspective, ask the community that you have, do you know someone who meets these qualifications? Because so maybe you want to have an episode on emotional eating and that's not your wheelhouse, but you do know someone who is more in the fitness space and you can say, hey, do you have a coach friend with a nutrition background? I want to talk about that aspect. And they could say, oh yeah, I actually have worked with this gal forever. I think she would be great. Let me put the two of you in touch. To me, guests should be about building your network. Obviously, sometimes you're going to want to shoot big and have like a dream guest on. But in general, I think it should be folks like you and I with that specific background that can help build out your network. Sometimes huge interviews are great, but I also think that there's a lot of value in engaging conversations. So again, that was from Terry. She's Profit Able Podcast. Go check her out and see what she has to say. I hope to see some guests from you soon, Terry. Next week, I will be back to talk about how to appeal to your target market. If the promoting P is the one that you're struggling with the most, you're not going to want to miss this one. In the meantime, please follow the show wherever you're listening and leave me a rating or a review because just like your show, mine needs those to grow. Come hang out with me on Instagram at Sonivia Studios and I'll see you next time. Thanks for helping me take podcasting up an octave. Mm -hmm.